0: This podcast is supported and sponsored by my good friends at Hunted. Now, did you know that research shows having a strong employer brand will reduce your time to hire by 50%, reduce your cost per hire by 50%, improve the retention of your staff by 28%, make candidates three times more likely to trust you, and double the number of qualified applicants? but developing a strong employer brand is not just about creating great content. What's even more important is getting that content seen as much and as often as possible. If you have a careers page, how do you actually drive traffic to it? If you have an Instagram account, how do you grow your following? If you're creating great content, like videos or podcasts or blogs, how do you actually get it seen by more of your target audience? Hunted is the place where recruitment brands can tell their story in a way no job post ever could. Learn what works, develop a sustainable employer brand strategy, and reach more recruiters than ever before with Hunted. And I've been working really hard on getting an exclusive deal for all of you guys, for recruitment rollercoaster listeners. Up until the end of June, the end of this month, you can get a huge 50% off their annual subscriptions. Use the code RollerCoaster50 and claim your profile today. I've had a sneak peek at what the Hunter team are up to, what they're working on, and trust me, you do not want to miss out on getting on this platform. Save money and use the amazing offer that all of you guys have access to. Claim your profile today. So the big question is this, how do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Roller Coaster Podcast. Welcome to the Recruitment Roller Coaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to finally be joined by James Blackwell, who is the CEO of a recruitment business called Ronald James Group. And they are the leading digital and tech um, recruitment business that are based in the Northeast. And they have 13 staff currently. Um, he's built this business into a seven figure business in four years. And um, James, you're a a young recruitment entrepreneur, so I'm I'm excited to have you on here. We've been speaking a little while. um, Good to finally have you on. How are you?
1: I'm very well, Hisham. Thanks very much for inviting me on.
0: Mm, And I'll be honest, how many recruitment business owners or recruiters have I had on that are from your part of the world? I actually think you might be the first.
1: (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Because
0: typically before, obviously, all this went on, I I would definitely prefer doing them Mm face-to-face. So... I would find myself quite often in Manchester or Birmingham, um, Bristol, but never quite made it up to Newcastle. So um, I'm excited.
1: You've saved a journey anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. So look, as I said, James, where I always love to start on this podcast is um, how did James Blackwell into the the lovely world of recruitment? How did that happen?
1: Yeah, I suppose same one-liners, everyone else fell into recruitment. Yeah. Uh, I I had my own coffee shop when i was 21 i had that for two years and uh, built that up quite successfully until the initial recession came in 2008 and i got out of that and then i got offered a job at bmw to sell cars and i really learned my trade from there for five years selling uh bmws and minis and then i just got an opportunity through uh my sister at the time's ex-boyfriend was working in recruitment and i didn't realize how much money you could be be made in recruitment and I didn't realise that it was a sales job uh, where in recruitment it is the ultimate sales job so uh, yeah, I started out um, at a company called Nigel Frank, part of Frank Group and uh I literally took a big leap because I was 27, 28 at the time earning okay money as a car salesman and I had to take a drop back down. I think at the time it was like 15k basic salary, mm. no commission.
0: Because the basic salary isn't typically good as a car salesperson though, isn't it? But you can, I'm assuming you can build that yeah. up. And it was
1: have... it was bad as a car salesman, but you were always going to do 15 to 20 cars a month. So you
0: always... Yeah, yeah. especially when you've been there for a while, you, you know and expect what you're going to be doing on a monthly basis. So it was leap and in, in your head, mate, quite, you know, that typical conversation of you've got to take a step back to take a step forward and all of that. So so you was 27, 28 at the time, just, just, just quickly then. So just to frame up for everyone and, and give everyone context. So then you then worked at another Frankfurt. It was like five years, wasn't that? I saw on yeah. LinkedIn. And then after that, you then obviously set up and started Ronald James, um, which I've been going for four and a bit years now. Just, just quickly, How and why did you did you open a coffee shop? Like I have to ask that.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, Let's
0: just start there quick because I think that's going to be interesting—the fact that you had that experience early on, which I'm sure mm -hmm. gave you some lessons that have helped with Ronald James.
1: Of course, it did. Yes, I mean I was always entrepreneurial as a kid, selling sweets, pop, snacks, and stuff. Same story as most entrepreneurs, I suppose. And then I got into car auctions, and I bought my first car when I was 17 when I passed my test. I bought it for like £350 and I put it on the drive for seven nine five and sold it within a day. And I got the bug of buying and selling. So I started buying and selling cars and I built up a, a good amount of money. I think it was about ten, fifteen K. Yeah. I got this opportunity to help run a coffee shop and take it over. Um wow. so that's how I got into the where, coffee shop.
0: Where did where did the, where did this entrepreneurial mindset it, like, like, where did that come from? Because that—that's not a typical. I know. See, you hear that a lot from entrepreneurs or selling mm. stuff, blah blah blah. And and I had a bit of that, but I did. I definitely didn't um have as, as like didn't go through do things like that that you said. But like, where did that come from? What environment were you brought up in?
1: Uh, good point. I think general like middle class environment. But my dad was like a, a salesperson. He always wore a suit and a suitcase, and <laughs> he used to take me into work sometimes, and he used to take me to the car auction sometimes as well, and. Uh, it was funny because i had an opportunity i played like semi-pro level as a footballer so i was always competitive yeah but my passion was like even when i was younger i wanted to be a businessman like i was okay. always dressing up in a suit and i I love business so uh i think that's where it stemmed from like my dad growing up and being surrounded by business like i was mm. uh always had a passion to what, buy and sell as well
0: what are your friends like what, at that yeah that like that age because like do you know what i mean sometime I, I remember back in my um like thinking of the people in my growing up like you can sometimes alienate yourself when you become like really mm-hmm. focused on like work or business or buying and selling stuff rather than the typical thing so i guess was there any influence in your friends like did you have an interesting friendship group
1: yeah, it's a good point. I think I've transitioned, uh, as most people do when they grow up. You have different eras of friends, I would say. Yeah. And uh, as the famous Jim Rohn always says, you are the average of the five people you hang around with. So I wouldn't say back then I was ultra-focused. And I think that's what was one of the biggest learning curves for me, especially with the coffee shop, was I wasn't into personal growth at the time. Yeah. I wasn't into personal development. Um, and I'd surrounded myself probably with the wrong people. I was still young, partying, Doing everything that everyone else does go to Ibiza, whatever Like everyone else does back then, you were a bit stupid and crazy. So um, now I learned from that mistake in terms of be careful who you surround yourself with. So as I've grown, um, I've got different friend and peer groups now. So a lot of the friends that I've got now, are I've got maybe two or three core friends and then the rest are people that I've even met uh, through business who are either millionaires, I've met some billionaires and I've surrounded myself with, uh, different people with different mindsets. Um, okay, to make sure I my standards are always high, yeah, um, that's interesting. and that's not just business success, but are they successful personally? Have they got philosophy, wisdom around them? Have they got good morals? All of those type of things. Um, I'm always evaluating who I hang around with,
0: mm, okay, cool. I am just curious there because yeah, I think early late teens, early 20 year old buying and selling cars, it's just interesting, right? I, I absolutely love that. So, I guess what was your perception of recruitment when you got in recruitment then sort of like did you have any perception of it at all obviously you didn't recognize it as a like a quite unquote proper sales job what what was your perception of recruitment
1: yeah it was quite hard at first to get your head around it so it's got to click at some point like when, yeah. when we used to hire recruiters uh, as i started being a team leader manager like it's got to click in the first few weeks if it doesn't it's probably not that ball's not going to drop um, but it is a. it did take a while to understand if you're, you're trying to create something from nothing and you're trying to deal with people's emotions to try and create an opportunity for them and trying to create the opportunity with the client as well. Um, it took a few weeks, but then once it clicks, like you, you do really get it. Um, yeah. But it's as it's, it's simple as obviously you get a candidate and client you match them together. Yeah. But in reality, when you're actually doing it, you need to understand it first and speak to the market and understand following the scripts was a big thing for me as well like that gave you a a, a pivot and a an anchor to actually follow just a process and then things start dripping in and falling into place oh i understand why i asked those questions now yeah. i understand it's not just about getting the candidate and putting them into a company you have to understand the why and the reason behind it and there's, there's a lot of complexities to when you peel it back of like how you actually make a placement okay uh, so yeah
0: okay and um so look, i definitely want to really focus on on sort of james the recruitment business owner but obviously let, let's just think about your your time at nigel frank um was you a permal contract recruiter or what was the what 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 top did you recruit perm permanent positions or was it both or –
1: yeah, um, I was all permanent. So, okay. uh,
0: what market did you recruit in at that time?
1: We did like IT, like Microsoft type of recruitment, which is uh, what Nigel Frank was renowned for. So it was really niche sector specific uh, where you, you got a territory in a region and you couldn't really go outside of that location. And then you've got a bundle of candidates in a CRM. That was back when LinkedIn was just sort of coming into play, but it was pretty much like, 80% of your placements were made of uh, CRM systems and decent really? job adverts. Because I used to remember I used to have to come in at 7 a.m. I was fighting with everyone else to get on the job boards and get your mm. candidates beforehand. This was maybe one, two decent candidates a day that you would probably get.
0: Yeah. So back okay.
1: then it was good, and I think that was a really good learning curve because recruiters now have got all of the luxury. Like My team have got everything from LinkedIn recruiter, email finders, video recording software, I've got virtual All the tools, yeah, that yeah. calls for them. Um obviously we've got loads of retained clients. Like the, the job now as a recruiter is is a lot different to what it was back then. Mm.
0: Um, so okay. yeah. So um so your sort of career at Nigel Frank was the typical join there as a trainee or consultant, and then you became a manager leader, and by the time you left you was a manager from yeah. what I online. Okay. So obviously okay. there are Big agency, right? A lot of people to compete with. Why? Why did James rise to? Why did James become a leader in that organization?
1: Uh, at Nigel Frank, it was it was it was a good culture. That I mean, that they really nailed the culture back then. So it was like a cult, as it were. But you were literally like, uh, you were just absorbed into what they do there. And and uh, I, I don't know. I think it was just a case. I think I was like top three biller for emea like and i was just really driven like it was great wearing a suit feeling special in that city and um yeah i, I suppose like h- hard work like I'm not gonna lie like you were in seven i was in seven eight o'clock and i was leaving at seven eight mm. o'clock at night. so you put a lot of time and effort into it for sure and um so it's it's not for the faint-hearted back then, but mm. you, you did get rewarded well. Like they paid well, they looked after the good employees. You got great incentives. So back then, like at any one age, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, it was it was probably the best job you could ever get in the northeast of England for sure. Like mm. there wasn't many others that were earning what what you could earn as a recruiter.
0: Okay. Any any other sort of in in hindsight looking back, like anything else? Because look, a lot of people that listen to this podcast, they're they're people that want to be the best version of themselves want to be mm-hmm. at, the, at the top right so i guess what i'm just sort of prodding a bit here is that um particularly in a in a, in a big brand like Nigel frank like there's like you could very easily be someone in the middle of the table right so, so be sort of yeah. the top three there so you've already said work ethic hard work which comes up a lot and is, is so in important so i guess in hindsight before we talk about you starting your own business um like, anything else you think that really contributed or enabled you to be in that top three spot, do you think, that is worth um, yeah, highlighting? I
1: would, I would probably just say mindset. So that's when I started getting into a bit of personal development, listening to podcasts on the way to work. One of the first audiobooks I listened to was Think and Grow Rich. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, like, really Why? Because I think it was just a then. case of, like, I was – I just wanted to be the best so and I think I had a group of like friends within there that were all at a similar level so we were always battling and we used to have uh little bets on who would be the top biller for the month have banned across the office and I was always like ego driven and obviously competitive from my nature with football like I wanted to win yeah so it's always about being the best who who build the most I love the pressure on my shoulders just like People doing football, I would always be the one that wanted to step up, take the final minute penalty and all of that type of stuff. You can translate that into recruitment. And I think that's probably what came out was the fact of my inner competitiveness to win and uh, to always keep improving, like always being, like you say, the best version of myself. Like I wanted to give everything. Mm. Um, So there's no like tip, trick or hack. Like it is just, it is mindset and being able to, because there was hard workers like even in that agency there's harder workers than me but you've got to be street smart i think i was lucky that i had the the buying and selling of cars experience yeah, yeah, yeah. my own business that was different because i was probably one of the only people back then that they hired without a degree so we okay. were very very picky and you, they would normally interview 10 and hire one and literally if you had no degree the chances of you getting hired were very very slim So back then, I knew I had a point to prove, and um, like I started, so I I sort of fought against all of these people that were sort of elite or they had a degree and everything else. Like I had a point to prove, and I think Mm. that's what worked for me.
0: Okay, so what what gave you the the confidence to to start your own recruitment business? Then what why why did you yeah Where did that come from, and why did you decide to do that?
1: Yeah, so like, I mean, I was really happy back then. Where I was, and obviously the business was going well. I got uh shares in the business that obviously was going to be six figures. That I think we were going to get paid on on a, on a takeover. But I started to get into personal development. I started to follow the likes of Grant Cardone. I remember and <laughs> Rich and all of the other uh, influencers. And that entrepreneurial bug came back. Yeah, so it was a bit suppressed probably when I was there a little bit because I was just so focused in in terms of the work and just doing, doing, doing that's when I started really reflecting and working on myself and realizing that if I am ever going to be what I want to be in a multimillionaire, like there's not many millionaires that make a million working for somebody else. There is, there's a small percentage, but, and I liked the freedom. Like I was, I got to a point there where I was five years in, I was a bit stressed. I went through like a bit of anxiety and everything else because the, the world I'd created and the person I'd created wasn't me. So I changed as a person, and I, I probably didn't. T- I wasn't the the nice type of person, maybe as nice as what what I am now. Like I, I, I changed.
0: Well, you're just like the typical top Bill not bed.
1: Probably, yeah. Like, <laughs> the typical wolf of Wall Street. And, and
0: yeah, I and I think it's really interesting because, like, when you're five years in, and and as you said, you've like that's the person that you've been to get to the top, and that's been rewarded, blah blah blah. That you then carry that with you, and it's it's hot like it's hard for you not to be that right or like for you to carry that pressure on yourself so that's interesting fair enough what was there a particular moment then where you were like right like let I'm gonna start my own recruitment business or because like just quickly do you you started Ronald James on your own
1: yeah so like yeah probably, probably for six months or so it was going on in my head I had friends that would go out on lunch and talk around like should we leave and set up on our own Back then, there was no mentorship guidance. There was no course. There was no structure on how you actually do it. Yeah. So it was like a lot of unknown. And fear is probably the biggest thing that holds most people back, as we know. Yeah. So it was fighting through the fear. Because I remember back then, we were looking into was looking into how much would it cost to do a website. And I was thinking it was like 20,000 pounds. But it's not. Like, I built a website for 20 <laughs> quid. But then you think, oh, well, you need loads of money to start a business. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Actually it's don't it's
1: crazy. Because it. like, what year was that? That was, like, uh, 2015. Stuff.
0: It's crazy that there wasn't, like, compared to, like, the amount of content now and, yeah. like, this podcast and all the other things, like, it's crazy how much that's come on, but you're completely right. I completely understand that, like, having access to that sort of information just simply didn't exist, which is crazy, isn't it? Because you just wouldn't think that's the case right now.
1: Yeah, well, now now there's, there's tons. Of, I mean, great podcasts that you do, Hashem, and there's, there's loads out there. I think back yeah. then... I mean, I remember when I first started, I did a podcast with Roy River. So it yeah. was the only thing that I knew about recruitment. That was the only thing online that was talking about recruitment. Crazy. Uh, like if you Googled how to set up a recruitment business, there was pretty much nothing. <laughs> and uh, and, it, oh, and remember back then, you were relying on the brand and the data. The security yeah. system was key. Yeah, now yeah. That, was, that
0: was like a big selling point, wasn't it? It was like, yeah. look, we've got 100,000 people, such and such on our database. That was like part of the pitch. Yeah. Um, so what what ended up being the game plan then? So there wasn't many people that you could pick their brain. There wasn't content you could access. What what ended up being the sort of game plan? Because I think, as you just said, like quite rightly, people taking the leap, people being paralyzed by the fear of what that first year is going to look like. Are they going to be as successful um, on their own or out, out of the ecosystem that they, they've been used to? What What ended up being the game plan for that first year?
1: Yeah, so it was like, A lot of personal development, so just trying to read. I read a book a week. I was reading a lot around business fundamentals and how to to start a business. Um, And then I had a plan. What I thought would be a plan was picking a market that was similar to what Nigel Frank did, but in Salesforce, because I thought, oh, well, in theory, they've got a great Salesforce team. I'll just do Salesforce recruitment. But it really doesn't work like that because you need to have a clear way of how you would map out a market and build out a niche the proper structure okay so like because like a niche vertical will have like various different gradients within it so yes you could like have a specific uh group of high clients and candidates within a niche that someone else is successful with but that doesn't mean that you can just step in there and be really successful yourself um so like the first that was probably a mistake like we
0: how long did you focus on salesforce for
1: probably like three or four weeks. And then uh, we just got, obviously I was based in the Northeast. We, I got talking to, and I just networked, like I hustled and just went to loads of business events, networked, like we pulled an IT developer job. And um, we worked that, it worked. And then all of a sudden we just fell into like the Northeast tech market, which was up and coming at the time. And yeah. that's a very similar like story to how Sean and Nigel started, Nigel Frank, like they didn't aim to do Microsoft Dynamics. Mm. Like they were doing something totally different really they just fell into it i yeah, think
0: something sure. that something that's really stuck stuck with me is where you start isn't where you finish
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i think that's so important to realize that you might have in your head where you want to be but just like because right now what you're starting and what you're doing isn't like do you know what i mean which is pretty much what you just said and, and i think it's so important to remember that if you're starting your own business or just in just in general um okay so a couple of weeks then recognize that so then just quite organically for you hustling meeting people um you ended up falling into or focusing on and working with northeast tech
1: businesses. yeah i think like the reason i started the business was like i wanted more freedom because i did not want to work it late anymore yeah i've like, done that for five years solid like you just get burnt out like most recruiters get burnt out doing that. It's yeah, not sustainable, yeah. like long term. Like it's not good for your health at all. Mm. There's, de- there's definitely a better way. So, freedom, I wanted more money because I was restricted. you always restricted to the amount of deals that you can do in a month and yeah. the amount of money you can make at that place. So, um, and then lifestyle because I wanted to be all I can be. The only way I can do that is express that is to have full control over my destiny. Sure. Um, and then the more time I spent on myself and outside of the business in a flow state, um, the faster like suddenly my business grew. So I was like, get my starting conditions right. So things like personality profiling and testing. So um, I recommend everyone to try like Myers-Briggs tests, uh, and Myers-Briggs, so it's like, I think, 16personalities.com to actually understand how you work, how you think, how you operate. Um, Because you wanna get the starting conditions right when you start the business. Otherwise, you'll end up building a business that you truly hate. Because um, you wanna be fulfilled in, in what you actually do it's really important to actually understand yourself first before yeah, you not. just suddenly steam in and set up a business that all of a sudden, like a lot of business owners have got a job now that they actually hate. And a lot yeah. of people, get asked ask, they don't enjoy business anymore. And I was really, really tough on that right from the start. And a lot of people will tell you that like, I was all about lifestyle and the business um, serves me. I do not serve the business. Like yeah. from, uh, that was the starting conditions from day one. Yes, I still put in the hustle and the hard work to get it to where it was. But after that time, once I'm the business is making profit, I'm taking my six holidays a year. I'm, I'm working smart. I'm doing the things I enjoy. Um, I've got a set week on how I actually manage my week. Like it, the, the client doesn't dictate when I should. Yeah, uh, I should so you're so
0: you mindful of that straight away.
1: Yeah, and and that really helped because, but but it takes time, yeah? So like it's sky skyscrapers are built on individual bricks. So it's like, learn each new brick is a single job so once you have to like build a client acquisition system how can we get that fulfilled so that then it's all about talking around having systems within your business and it was a big systems thing can we leverage technology tools marketing to make sure this business can either run without me and everything's systemized otherwise it'll start to get broken as well because okay. you're already dealing with people which is recruiters um, and you can't systemize a recruiter but everything else in the business it's important because you have to break it down into bite-sized chunks and make sure that you built each pillar and each part of the system correctly.
0: I'm I'm keen to dive into that because I think because I think a lot of, a lot of people that either own a business of your size or, um, yeah, are in those types of environments will think that there's no way that I could step away from the business, right? Or it could run yeah. without, right? So, so I'm interested to break that down. But what what I'm always keen to sort of get your thoughts learnings and um, experiences from is that first year in 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 sort of james running his own recruitment business so you said that quite early on you ended up sort of adapting and pivoting like what how 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 did the end of the first year look like what what went on in that first year
1: yeah it was interesting because i, I, I still remember to this day the first week or two or three weeks was really hard when I was like, I remember being in a coffee shop and I think it was Costa when my girlfriend was at work. Uh, remember, how
0: old was you at that point? Sorry to butt in. Uh, 28
1: or 29. Okay. 20, All right, cool. 20, 29. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is tough. Like you're starting off with no database, no structure. LinkedIn's quite new then. I'd, I'd n- I didn't have a template or blueprint to follow in terms of how do I actually win clients support them yeah. traditional old wave, cold calling, <laughs> chasing leads all of that I was like fuck this is going to be hard yeah um, and then I started learning and started studying all of the greats like from different sectors and different environments not recruitment and then I worked down like a way of how to properly map out my market how to have a structure and how to build a niche within a niche like I, I started to know like once we started doing a couple of placements I realized that if we can nail down on one location in one key key market with like two to three job titles marks. Like we could really drill down on that because I knew that was a growing market and trend. So that's what when we really doubled down, but the first year I started off and then it was, was it was, you? It was you me
0: and
1: then, yeah, me and my younger brother. So he was oh, okay. uh, what, eighteen, something eighteen at the time he left with no qualification from school. He was just at home. And uh, obviously so I started on a kitchen table and I was like, look, why don't you join me? And I just literally trained him up on the candidate side. So I, I gave him the script. Um, I just went out and hustled and met as many entrepreneurs and other business owners as possible. So I set up like a, a email automation campaign and a reach out uh, strategy to meet as many uh, potential clients as possible, just for a chat for twenty minutes. And then I just really like hustled myself, and a lot of people gave me the opportunity and started giving me jobs. And then me and my brother would work on work on the jobs. But like I said, starting conditions from the start, I hated dealing with the candidate side. No disrespect to candidates. Yeah. Not of deals I was like I'm not doing that anymore what I love doing is going out selling pitching winning clients business and then hand it off so I just focused that time on training my brother up to be an outstanding uh, sourcer and closer of candidates so I'd help him with the closing process so we actually built like a good environment where I'd win all of the clients and really build that out and be the face of the business and he was there just really he, he really adapted to like LinkedIn finding the right candidates knowing how to spot a good candidate for a job um and then it was just me and him first yeah, we did about I think it was three hundred and thirty thousand pounds perm fees.
0: What in the first year? Just you two. First, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah.
1: So, so, if, so that was a lot of money at the time, like if you think about yeah, yeah. like sixty, seventy K at um. I yeah, we was doing that game. from
0: so so just just quickly, um what 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 sort of came up uh for me when you're talking about that? I think like what what was the pitch or what was the story that you said to these northeast business owners that made them sort of give you a chance, because because I think a lot of people when they're starting out, either starting a brand new desk or starting their own recruitment business, like I think a lot of people can find that quite challenging, can't they? Especially like you've done, you've ended up doing a market that you quite haven't done before because you recognise an opportunity, like like a lot of people may think no I have like, I've got recruitment but I don't know the market like like how are they going to react to it? I don't know like what what was the what was the story what was the pitch that that ended up working well or that made these businesses give you a chance
1: yeah it's a good point because it's like the the people i reached on to were business owners and founders themselves so i was reaching out as a young hungry entrepreneur that just needed yeah. a chance now that's not all what it takes like success is not be pursued it's like it's to be attracted by the person you want to become so what got me as a good recruiter nigel frank was not going to get me to doing six seven figures being a business owner like i had to fully change as a person different yeah because i had to attract the type of people that i wanted as clients so if i was just going as another recruiter that that end user client that uh entrepreneur that's up his own business he wouldn't be interested so i needed to raise my game so that was knowledge so knowledge is power so like reading books about the billionaires and millionaires going to masterminds events surrounding myself with other people in networking and pushing myself outside the comfort zone because then i could speak their language and be interested in them and actually give value back so a lot of people like ask well how do i get a mentor it's like you've got to give value to them as well like do they want to do they want to speak to you can you provide value back so in that market it wasn't just did i know about the tech it was I knew a lot about business, and I could. I, I used to give people cool hacks on LinkedIn automation, email marketing, and automation. I would always be trying to help that customer in client as well as say, "Can I? Can I help?" Hey, like,
0: the, do you know what we did? Do? Do you know how we can help? Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's what what was probably the biggest thing was like, I'm not going out there. Can I have a job? Yes, I asked, but I also provided value, and, and mm. I think
0: this because I think part of that fear or that is that like sort of how to communicate where you are as a business do you know what i mean do i be honest do i say that it's me and my younger brother at my kitchen table just hustling do you know what i mean because that that's part of it as well that you've got to deal with it isn't it it's like
1: mm-hmm. so I get,
0: I get what you're saying i love that but i think that that's also part of it isn't
1: it of course it is and perception is reality yeah so one of my old mentors dan Pena, 50 billion dollar man if you look him up on youtube um he says practice practice success before you're successful. So go to the World's Wise Garage. Yeah, yeah. the leather, sit in the car. Like I did a YouTube video on my YouTube channel, James Blackwell, if you check it out, where I was having a Ferrari for a couple of days there, which I swapped for um, a Porsche with a friend. And it was like, you just want to surround yourself with these things so you can attract them more. Um, but it's also perception is reality. So yeah. my business, I would never go to a client and say it's just me. I would say I've got a, I've got a team. Now that team is one and a couple of years but that team could be perception of being 15 20 so you when you start up like i always like try to perceive ourselves as the the leading so if you see like our tagline for ronald james is the Northeast's leading digital and tech recruitment agency i did that ballsy like right from year one when i had loads of other competitors <laughs> bigger than me but leading is leading like it doesn't say you're the number one best yeah, just, yeah. i own that because no one else went out to do that so that gave a perception already, oh, well, they the, are the leading. And it came synonymous because the more we kept advertising it and pushing it out on social media and LinkedIn, then it just became real. And now it is real because there's no one else that can touch us in the Northeast. Um, so it's always about practicing success before you're really successful. And perception is reality. So mm. you're not lying as such, but you can, it's the way you word things and you get people to perceive things.
0: Yeah, because I think that's the thing is like, is that lying? Do you know what I mean? I, I get it, but yeah. Okay, is so... To
1: be honest, like, I was always honest. Look, like, we are a startup, but we can deliver. Like, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing is, is can you deliver to that customer? Mm. Uh, do they Do they know, like, and trust you? To be known, you need to, like, be bigger than you perceive. So yeah. that's why we leveraged things like virtual assistants at the time. We pushed on a lot of content on LinkedIn, which is all, like, organics. So we made a lot of noise because all of the other agencies back then didn't really understand marketing which i know we'll come on to which is, i say is very very important
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: having a clear marketing strategy um so we we built that perception up and that um that brand quite quickly for, for little cost as well mm. okay so
0: just under 350 grand first year you and your younger brother at home i guess j- just quickly before we sort of move into um the, the next couple of years and, and sort of where how you got to where today like in, in hindsight now looking back what 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 do you what do you wish you did differently or what advice would you give yourself um knowing what you know now do you think?
1: Um number one, hire slow, fire fast. I hired too quick, fired too slow for sure. I kept on to people like like I was given too much of a chance to for sure. Um, Always remember cash is king, like your money in the bank, not like invoices due like actual money in the bank. Um, Have a clear client acquisition strategy or system developed so you've got constant stream of inbound leads coming in and meetings. Because if you're not out there meeting clients and pitching business, then the rest of the stuff you're doing admin or operational, it's not effective. So I was really key with my time, like I learned like to be really precious with my time. My time is speaking to clients. Because mm. um, everything comes down to systems, like, and it's, what, and it's, like break it down into little steps. Because to be excellent at something, you have to break everything down, systemize it, understand what worked, what didn't work, and once things really work, that's when you can really scale those areas. Um, but it was, yeah. What,
0: what was what was the um, what was what well, you can say? Obviously, just over the last four years, but what what's been just talking about system processes? What what's been the best or the handful of best piece of technology or systems that you've invested in, would you say? Uh,
1: Good question. We used to have a lot of tech, a lot more than what we did uh, now, because um, as an entrepreneur, you're shiny object syndrome. So you're like, oh, wow, look at that cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull that on. Pull that on. Before you know it, I've got like 15, 16 tools. I'm getting (laughs) years to manage the tools then I'm having to hire more virtual assistants to hire the virtual assistants that are managing the tools and then complexity breaks. So Apple's a great part of that with Steve Jobs. Like everything was really simple. So every time you add another layer of complexity, like there's all sorts of problems that can go wrong. Yeah, exactly. But now I really simplify the business. So we'll ha- try and just use one tool for one specific thing that works instead of adding on every other tool. Um
0: well what, yeah would what, like if you were to start a recruitment business tomorrow whatever what would be your like goal like do you know what i mean your little technology starter pack what would you yeah.
1: so in? i would probably obviously linkedin recruiter although we hate it to a certain point because it's expensive and they control the market like we've got to be honest like linkedin recruiter without it you, you, there's no chance you can start a business without it for sure yeah
0: linkedin recruiter yeah
1: LinkedIn recruiter, um, you need some sort of email finder, mobile phone tool. We've used Lusher in the past, so yeah, not using it anymore, but that could be good. And what I, what I normally teach is like how to map the market. I'm old school with spreadsheets, um, but then I would have uh, data people to gather all the data and in one market. Then I would build an email automation outreach uh, strategy to engage with that market. Then I would build out my Dream One Hundred, my Dream One Hundred strategy and i would dream
0: Dream dream 100 clients
1: yeah that you want to work with and then we've got like eight different touch points we do within our business okay into that market so i would do less tools and more strategy and actually building proper systems that that don't break so leverage technology where you need it but in terms of hacks i mean there's linkedin tools as well but a lot of those are getting banned now like yeah yeah, yeah. and the different ones. what
0: email automation um tools do you use
1: um we've tried uh reply.io we're using we'll tried it at the minute which is quite cool okay that's um probably the best one that i've tested on the market so far and was what, what it
0: What was it called sorry
1: reply.io
0: reply.io okay cool
1: but but it's not just about the tool it's how like how yeah 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 obviously yeah apply so people think like they're just going to get jobs inbound yes like that's that's brought in jobs and sometimes we we'll have been lucky where they've sent us a job spec and said if you agree 15 percent, you can go ahead but that's very very rare like you need to learn to have off-the-cuff conversations and being able to bring it from a reply into
0: yeah yeah call yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. with your strategy and how you like what i call your unfair advantage in your market like what is your unfair advantage in your niche that you do differently to everyone else your unfair
0: advantage
1: yeah i like that so like what we do is like ours is digital marketing inbound marketing so we can help clients with brand attraction brand awareness social media video content like what can you and and because we're the only agency in the northeast fully connected to every tech person in the northeast, and they know, like, and trust us. We've got a dev fund where we do dev events. Like all of these things are unfair advantages. So if any company,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, the the three years behind, and so yeah, the no no, no chance. I like that phrase.
0: unfair advantage? There. I think that's that's a great way to put it. I like that. Um, look, I have I have to ask you because I, I'm I'm sure some people are thinking it, and then we'll we sort of go into. The next couple of years when you're hiring people and all that, but like just because you've mentioned it quite a lot, and people might be like, people may think this this is alien to them, may, may not think it's possible. I've had my own experience with it in in my own business now, but VAs, how easy was that? Like, like let's just talk about that for a sec because because
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think the way that you're talking describing about your your business, James, and, and probably a huge factor as to why. Um, you've been able to build the business that you want is that like if you l- just think about the way you're describing your business it's definitely not the typical way that you would build a recruitment business do you know what I mean so talking about VAs talking about email automation talking about um marketing driving inbounds all these types of things I think I'd like to think that the sort of future generation of um recruitment entrepreneurs will be building businesses more the way that you have or the way that you're describing it right so VAs and leveraging um, resources like virtual assistants is definitely part of that, and and I've done that myself. But I, I can just imagine people thinking, "What is he on like VA? What is he on about? Like, how how the hell can I use that as a recruiter? Do you get what I mean?" So, just quickly, what what's like, just to talk a bit about your experience or how important VAs or how good of an investment VAs have been for you earlier on or still now to this day, like just quickly on that because I have I have to yeah. ask you.
1: It's a good point because uh, I think I'm... Because uh, it's, it's
0: easy for you to think that, oh, everyone thinks this is how you build a recruitment business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think I
1: should, I should have explained that at the start. So you've got the old traditional way of a recruitment agency, which is Wolf of Wall Street that I came from. Nothing wrong with those agencies, by the way. we have got the yeah. great amount of respect for that because that, that takes a lot of energy to drum up your salespeople every day, get them on the phone, yeah, chase KPIs, chase down that lead try and get in there first like it's 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 fucking tiresome and i've got like my hats off respect to people that do it because there's a lot of agencies out there that make that work that's great and that's for them like i said before it comes down to first principles and when you start the business what, what, what type of life do you want to live yeah because like, you, you, you need to get your starting conditions right otherwise you are fucked like you need to make sure that you understand what you want out of an agency i knew i didn't want that anymore if yeah. I wanted to build an agile front, I could, but I I, I have not got the time and energy to do that. Yeah. I knew there's a different way, so I call it the new era agency, which is all around like what I would call like a small boutique agency that leverages tools, technology, a niche within a niche, like a clear kind of acquisition system, relying on virtual assistants, um, a great culture, self managing business, and then uh, you've got like a lot of systems. Taking out the human element, you've got the recruitment delivery, but then you've also productized the service. So we've productized our service now. So we only pitch for a retained business in with um, recruitment and marketing, um, and or it's exclusive in the Northeast. Like there's only two options for that.
0: Right, we're we're going to dig into that, mate.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so going back to the virtual assistant. Yeah, yeah. Um I knew from the start, if I wanted freedom, lifestyle, and still all of the money, yeah,
0: starting conditions. I
1: needed to eliminate all of these tasks, adding CVs to the system, scraping job boards, finding data, building out markets, managing the outreach templates and campaigns. Like I knew there's a better way. So I'd spent a lot of time paid for courses. Learned from people for three years to really refine my virtual assistant uh, sourcing strategy in sourcing system. Okay. We got it to a point where the VAs would rate the candidates, book and the calls for the recruiters, which still happens today. and probably one third of our deals, give or take, depending on which which person would come initially from the outreach from one of the VAs. Um, okay. Really stuck with that, but then you could also add different perks and different uh, tools. And we stripped that back and just kept it basic because, like I said, the more complexity or more layers you start add, it gets too complex. So a virtual assistant is good. You can't just. I, I do give advice in going up work Fiverr, but people get it wrong because they think it's just going to be an overnight. Yeah,
0: it's not. Yeah, I think because that that was going to be my next thing, James. Like, just because I think a lot of people, and I, I was at, I was one of these people where it just took it just took me it just took me to that sort of initial overcome the like how how difficult i think it's going to be or how much hassle it's going to be to just overcome that to then just speak to a couple of people think about okay if i hire a va what do i want them to do let's map out that process what do i want help with blah 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 yeah. and what once you actually just get over that sort of paralyzation of oh god this is going to be really difficult or it's just going to be challenging and then you just yeah think about what i want help with and then you just start having conversations with people. It's just way more easier than you think. But I think a lot of people can think, oh, that's just way too much hard work or then it's worth. Do, do you know what I mean? To even get started. So I guess what what would be your, could you have done it for a while when it's a, a big part of your business? Like just your sort of go-to advice to get to make people, help people take action on trying to make a VA part of their recruitment business or, or whatever. Like what would be your go-to advice on that to like actually start the process? Mm-hmm.
1: The they need to just un, the need to understand the fundamentals. So they need to either follow a, a blueprint of someone else that's done it, i.e. me, because yeah. i the easier way to do it in three years, sure. which is not come on to at the end, but I can help people build out virtual assistant teams if they need to. There's other companies out there that do it in general to, to hire VAs. So I know there's a lot of uh, what you call RPOs or there's like outsourced Indian teams. Of yeah, team. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um All of our viewers are from the Philippines. Uh, just because I speak fantastic English, like English is pretty much their first language over there. Um, They're very loyal, and but you've just got to set the foundations right. It's it's hard on a podcast to say. Yeah, yeah,
0: I know what you mean. I know, know how it works. I just don't yeah. want everyone because I because I because I've been through that process, not that scale, but I've been in that process, and I just know people will think it's way more difficult than it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, so maybe a better question would be and then we can move on would be what what's what what's the most pop like what's the most common misconception of vas um would you say
1: that they're just they're probably not going to do as good a job as me which is yeah like that's number one like the results aren't going to be as as good as you doing it yourself but you need to put a value on your time per hour like your your time per hour should be at least 50 hundred pounds per hour so if you can get someone to do it for five pounds an hour and 60 70 percent in with a view to always improving them and yeah
0: yeah, yeah. it's worth
1: it um but it is i'll be honest at the start it's a lot of time from you because you have to manage them and you're going to get frustrated yeah, yeah
0: yeah, yeah. it's it a process that that was going to be my sort of final point on it it's a process but as you said a year two years three years however long it takes it's then when you're
1: it's aiming it's, it's another unfair advantage isn't it because yeah Built up And it's an asset to me. So I knew I didn't want 100 staff in my office because I am not a great manager. I don't have a desire to have 100 employees. I want some employees because we have a great culture and I love coming into my office with people that I really love being around. But for these tasks, like I knew if I wanted six holidays a year and to take Mondays off whenever I want, I could have a virtual assistant team that's easier to manage once I've built and refined the process and the system. Then it's cheaper, more effective, less overhead, and it's it's more flexible. But it's it's going to be more pain free in the long term. But I suffered more pain at the start as as an end- yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah okay cool. I know obviously we can't do the like virtu- the VA like yeah okay cool. So going into year two then James. Mm -hmm. what was was the plan then right I want this to be I know you're talking about how you wanted your business but like did you envision obviously it being more than just you and your younger brother like what sort of what was then the sort of mindset going into how can you then grow this business from a six-figure business to a seven-figure business what was the sort of mindset or strategy as to how you're going to go about that
1: yeah, because I have toyed with this and i we'll talk around the journey because I have went from lifestyle to all of a sudden actually I want to build a proper business that I can build to sell. And then it was like transitioning back to something in between where I'm building an asset and a business to sell, but it's unique. It's the new era agency, it's not a traditional agency. Yeah. And if one day I want to sell the business, great. If not, it's gonna make me a hell of a lot of money, so I'm fine. But like second year was, um, we hired a girl called Isabella. It was a great girl. She's had a little baby now, so she's on uh, maternity at the moment. But it was, it was just us three in the office. So that's when we got. Um, it was probably mid year one anyway. But we had a serviced office, four-person office, but with three people in, my brother um, and Isabella doing delivery and candidates, and then. Um, I was still like winning, I was working so much on how can we productize our service? How can we be really different, on Fair advantage? How can we get more retain business and exclusive business and really boxing out the probably the top, I talked about the Dream 100, like our top 10 to 15, 20 clients that we wanted in the Northeast. We pretty much won them all by the end of year two because I set those expectations and I, and, I, and I put that onto the universe that we wanted to work with them and I didn't put as much importance on it. I didn't stress it and it all just came and that's all around the different flow of psychology in terms of mindset. But like, second year was all about like, can we get close to the million pound mark, but also not not um, sacrificing our fundamentals, the, the systems. Because as, as it started growing and scaling, say, I that's all bolt on another three VAs and hire another person, like things break again. So then you need to rebuild it and refine it and yeah. see how it works. Um, so, second year was still enjoying enjoying the agency enjoying the rewards of that because remember i came from earning 60 70k a year to like i could easily take home 150 plus like yeah. have the night i started buying like a bigger house so then we started doing the house up i got a nice car went on nice holidays with my with my girlfriend fiance at the time like all of those things so i was enjoying the life as well as the business but then i was putting processes in place everything that we did was systemized, processed. So that was like from everything from uh, recording to documenting um, in a big uh, document on the business. So I was always at the start. I had the mindset to build a business to sell in a systemized way, but it was different to the traditional norm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so second year was good. Like I think we finished on, I'm sure it was 600, 650. Mm. I remember rightly which was which was really good Then in mind there's only like three main employees actually I, I did hire two that are sacked after two or three months of so, so I was kept trying to I tried with home working so I, I had two people that would work from home recruiters that didn't work um so again because I, I was trying to force that model so I was trying to adapt it to between I didn't want a full on office agency with loads of employees PS3, yeah, yeah. remote work and laptop lifestyle recruiters that was very hard to adapt to as well so that's that's now we've transitioned um this is yeah four now like into um really good delivery consultants still i've got a couple of 360s but then it's all around having a bd person and then delivery yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but second year like was really good again enjoyed it and i then we're moving on to th- third year. Was probably the most difficult year. Where, I probably, being honest, I didn't really enjoy it as much because I, I brought on a lot of stress myself because I, I, I differentiated away from all of my core beliefs and suddenly think that oh well, to grow like we need to hire more staff. And I think you get
0: why? Why? Where did that come? Why? Just cause, I think. I mean, just, it's, easy, it's easy to go down that route, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Well, obviously, to 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 keep growing, you you do need. At some point, more employees.
0: Take. Yeah, of course, yeah. There's
1: only so much I can generate, in my brother. Um, but I think you get trapped in the fact of oh well, others are doing like ten million pound turnover, and they've got fifty staff. Because if you if you speak to other recruitment owners, how many staff have you got now?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's the first question, isn't it? I've spoken about yeah. a few times. Unless it is a tough question. Where,
1: like, but that that's nothing because now then I transition back is like I make a lot more profit than most other recruitment agencies now because we've got it to a point where it's a really lean perfected out model where it's, it's lean to a point where we don't need overheads when we for the sake of it but yeah i got through that cycle so i hired a lot like i think i, I went through about eight mistakes in terms of hires a third really? so i spent a lot of time if you think hiring interviewing yeah unfolding them then yeah. trying to manage them then firing them and then that really damaged because we try to create a good culture so we're sort of finding our feet with that so i think for,
0: yeah, three was probably a what, what was the learnings in that then, James? Because I think a lot a lot of people challenge it. A lot of people uh don't leave that cycle. Or yeah. like that do, do you know what I mean? Some people remain in that cycle. If that cycle is the eight new, the eight people, eight sort of core people are there that sort of is solid and they've got that assorted, but and then the the sort of four, five, eight more people on top of that is just a constant cycle and chaos of getting it wrong learning onboarding then they
1: leave blah 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 so just just quickly that because i know people get value Uh, from it What going back to to fundamentals and like i had different mentors again back then and i realized like remove myself from the recruitment world again and thinking from business logically and first principles and actually re-engineering what i wanted out of the business yeah, so, like not following what everyone else was doing because the problem was like you get absorbed with oh well we're hiring this way and these are our sales targets these are our KPIs and this is how you need to manage them this is how you pitch and and I moved back into my listening to myself again from my studies and like I said reverse engineering and everything to think well I don't want that business like yeah. it, it, I I really do not like it and that's not what I want to create so I started reshaping and remodeling how that business looked. So I start, stripped it all back. So thinking what has worked really well in the business. So we went a lot of exclusive and a lot of retained. We've really drilled down into the niche in the Northeast because we tried... We still do a bit in the northwest of Manchester, but we tried different locations and tried and yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: too hard. Like it was pointless like we we're hiring one or two recruiters to go and do another market, but that takes a lot of energy and resource. A lot
0: a lot of people think them like if it's a niche within a niche that isn't enough though, and there isn't enough there than what like enough there for what they want it to be. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah,
1: I like you've got to so like how I map the market out is you, you're gonna have to have at least Dream 100, you're gonna have at least 100 good clients that are growing on a trend that would hire at least three to four of your three job titles in a year for sure. Otherwise, market. Um, that's one of the things I'd look at. So, I'd look at how many candidates is in within that market. Is there about three to five thousand on LinkedIn? Great. Is there about a thousand companies? Yes, great. So, you've got a market there that should do at least four, five, six hundred K, but then it comes back to profit. So, like I was going back, so we made less money in year three than we did in year. Yeah, one or two, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like, what the hell's going I'm on? Working harder, um, my Mondays off were gone. Um, I had less holidays. I had less time to spend on myself, and so I wasn't in the right headspace. And yeah, what headspace. what
0: clips then, James? Because like I think a lot of people again back to like where we started this conversation: right, 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 starting conditions, and these types of things. Like you're talking, you're the person you're describing is the person that you're talking about that ends up in a business that or ends up building the business that they don't like. So like, like because a lot of people will be in that position that you're describing that you're in and think, okay, well this is this is the business I have. Like, how can you step back out of that? So I guess like, was there a moment where you're like, no, this is enough? And then like, what did you? How did you then just make the decision to step back? Do you know what I mean? Was there a particular moment that drove? I think
1: it's um. There's different masterminds I've attended. I go to one in LA at the moment and they're, they're not recruiters. They don't. A lot of them don't own service agencies, but they were all pretty much younger than me and they were making between one to five, 10 million pound. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, like, why am I wasting my time working six? a bit of
0: reality back. check. From yeah, the I was like, around, like yeah. I need
1: to elevate. Like, So I was back again, personal growth. So like really like deep diving into my uh, analysis of my brain, what will get me from a to b will not get me from c so the person i became i did change and adapt and i got to seven figures okay so but what's going to get me more to that is to be eight figure mindset you need to change a lot of the fundamentals so it's back to always things like plan plan tomorrow today your health like are you looking after your health in terms of like looking after yourself meditating um gratitude Pla- planning your perfect week planning the business around like what you want to do. Like I knew I was going against my core belief. Like my truth was like the new era agency. And I was like, it was a wake up call for me. It was like, James, I'm coming into work. I was coming into work on the third year issue. And I I hated it. I was like, good. Closing the door. I was like, and I was just distracted. I, I could see myself looking at different things. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not enjoying it. And, but it was uh, it was a reflection of me in the mirror. So you need to have that reflection yourself to analyze what business you've created, you've created that monster. So I was like, well, i got myself in that. Let's get myself back out of it and stripping it all back. And then it was less about revenue, less about headcount. It was just all about profit. Like, can we be as profitable as possible? Yeah. Like productizing the service, again, working on that, doing what we did best. So it was going back to the fundamentals of niche within a niche, sticking to the Northeast market, Um, me still going out to meet the right type of clients but being picky about the retained increasing our prices because we were the best in the market what we delivered adding different value adds I worked on all of that um, and that came from the mindset of knowing that I got us into that like sort of not mess as it were but like I wasn't
0: yeah yeah.
1: I I love my agency now I love the people that I've got because that was another thing it was like you hire different characters and then hiring I would never hire the me that was in Nigel Frank because i was a dick yeah like yeah. yes made money but it burnt i would burn. been like the culture wasn't right as well yeah, yeah. So, like going back to like i could cr- then i started creating what i've done now is a self-managing culture self-managing company so everyone manages themselves all they do is create an end-of-day report and slack it to me and i'll check it off to get them understanding if they're it's a business within a business they've got their targets to hit they've got their um uh, key tasks that you need to do per day but i'm not down the neck they get a lot of freedom and autonomy but just don't take the pace and that's what it was like so given uh, my staff like trust and respect
0: yeah so i I guess you're talking about it there but what i was just keen to sort of segue into then james was like what what were the i know you've sort of broke it down but like what just for people listening and and sort of you going on this journey with us which I I really appreciate because you've been really honest is like what what were the key things that you changed then going into year four that you put you now in a position where you're enjoying going back so you just said there building a self-managing culture which which I really like the sound sound of and really interesting but what what I know you said you stripped it back and looked at different things but what were the sort of key things that you changed that really put you in a position where you're now yeah as you said happier enjoying it again back to being in a business that you want to be in and and the business that you're that you want to build rather than what you've just been describing.
1: yeah i would say like focusing on our actual market so building a new product suite to adapt and give what the market really wanted a lot around like i said mindset so we are like raising my average standard so i got in the comfort zone because i was making good money and i had most things i wanted now so like good house car all the things so I think I, I sort of plateaued a little bit, yeah, three. Got a
0: bit complacent.
1: Yeah, definitely a little bit. And and then frustrated because I hired people that weren't right. And that just yeah, yeah, yeah. To me. And then I didn't really enjoy being in the business as much. And then I was looking at different things. So I did get a bit sideswept in terms of, right, I'm just going to build this business to sell now and get rid of it and sell it for five, 10 million. Like you, there's a lot of different transitions you go through, like building to seven figures and then to eight, like, there's a lot of bad advice you can get as well. So I was starting to listen to myself more um, and really raise my standards. So I raise my game in terms of what I do every day, not necessarily just in the business, but outside of work, who I listen to, what I surround myself with, um, what I do every day in terms of um, my, my actual like uh, standards. Because when you keep raising your standards, as a human, as default, you will go to the lowest standard that you will accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like most people are at this level, but if I keep raising it to here and then when I have a lazy day or or or, or just to go just a good average, I'm keep raising it. So I kept pushing myself in other areas of life that reflected in business. So it was like sometimes your business is a self reflection of what's going on in your personal life as well and what other habits are you creating in, in your surroundings. So I think I just push myself through to that barrier of like really working on my inner self. A lot uh, of
0: people don't I live <laughs> People might be thinking right now, James, and think, "Well, how can working on yourself make you more make, make help you build more of a successful recruitment business?" So, I just I I, look, I know we we we've spoken and like I, I love the sort of amount you're talking about mindset and these types of things, but just add a bit more context to that, James. Do, do you yeah. know what I mean? Because I think some people might be listening, going, "Okay, James, I get it, but wh- how?" like how,
1: how can that then read this book the power of the subconscious mind by dr joseph murphy <laughs> okay um i'm a big believer in stuff like that so mindset is is key yeah yeah mindset it's like past law of attraction stuff and physics and we are energy so all of that energy like that you notice in other agencies like you know when you have got to oh you've got all that pressure and yeah That's no good because that's what uh, Dr. David Hawkins talks around in the book Power Versus Force, which is another book I read. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's an absolute crack on that one. Different
1: levels of consciousness. So I've just elevated my levels of consciousness instead of being everything by me, like forcing things through. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Like I am, um, instead of like uh, force, like I'm using just power of like me attracting these things because I was looking at if I'm going to operate at this level, you're going to be stressed, burnt out, yes, you might be rich. But most people are stressed, looking for external validation in terms of different things they're buying the health's going to be at risk. Um, they're going to be stuck in that cycle they're not going to have a relationship after this business. So a lot of you see a lot of people are getting divorces, et cetera. and I wanted it to be more effortless, less stress happy, good foot inside myself, really mm. contributing and growing as a person like all of these things like come from your subconscious mind because our brains were wired from when we were zero to seven years old. And all of our 95% of beliefs, we've got limited beliefs that happened within that time. You need to rewire your brain. So it's a lot around like personal work on yourself your brain. So another good book is Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Schwartz. That's probably one of my key books that I always recommend to people um, because a lot of people are fighting through fear. Like most people that feel that don't start a recruitment business, it's just fear.
0: Mm. Fear of the unknown.
1: You've got to be happy and comfortable with own um, comfort and unknown stuff. That's That's, that's, that's the game as an entrepreneur and the game of life. But mm-hmm. the more you elevate your levels of consciousness, the more things that you're seeing, the more things you attract.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, the less importance that you put on things. Don't put pressure on it. Going back for billers that are listening, now, don't put importance on a deal. It'll happen. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You set the expectation, but you don't put importance on it because you know the more importance that you put on closing the deal, the less likely that will happen. In the field of energy, it's just not going to happen. So a lot of like, like I said, deal- so you like, working
0: on yourself then translates into a better, a better version of James, turn up to business, making better decisions, and that, yeah, that having an impact on the environment that you build, the people that you hire, and yeah,
1: yeah, because what you think you become, you've got to think possible yeah, yeah, yeah. outcomes, um, and people are geared for primal fear. Just in the situation that we are with the pandemic, like people are watching the news and media, like nuts like no like I haven't I've switched off totally from any news like I never watch the news anyway because it's all negative but people are creating the illness themselves by thinking just because they're listening to all of that negative so switch off things like the news like listen to the right people um surround yourself with, with the right type of people as well like all of those things is key like most people that are successful is like yes have strong business fundamentals you've got to put in the work you've got to put in the hustle correct in the right way you can't just work without the strategy and a plan that's, that's, that's incorrect, like you need to make sure you've got the right plan, you're building the right thing and it feels right for you because if it feels congruent with your true inner self, like you will find a way for it to happen. A lot of people are building things that aren't right for them and they're unhappy in business and they can't get out of it. A lot of people have got bigger businesses than me, more staff, and making more revenue, but they're making less profit and they're really unhappy. And they built this themselves because it's a self reflection of themselves in a mirror, and it all comes back to yourself, mm. not the business.
0: So, so just to round that off, then, like, how? So, are you going? So, are you still in year four now, or what?
1: Um, or you, 10, 15, 20, twenty twenty. So, no, this is our, our midway through our fifth year now.
0: Because, like, just let's just round off. I'd like, like, then. So, where did you finish as a business year four then? Revenue, net fee, income wise.
1: Revenue, I think we're 1.2 to 1.3 million, um, which is net fee income because we didn't do contract either. Like it's all in in more profitable, like in terms of like the profit that we've made. Um, This year, we're going to be on target to do 1.8 million, but that's including contract. Like we've got one contract uh, recruiter. But again, net think income would probably be like 1.4, 1.5, which I'm happy with because if we can do... Over half a million pounds profit. Like, I've got, like, that's took a long time to get there, by the way. Like, it just take mm. time. But if we yeah. get to that level, I'll be really happy because I'm doing a lot with my coaching program now. As I told you, like, I, I really believe in mentorship and guidance. So, my true, true inner passion is uh, coaching, which I'm going to help other people start and grow a six-figure recruitment agency and, and uncover all of the things building a virtual team. Yeah. No,
0: just- I, I love it, man. I think it's great what you're doing. And, Just a quick one and let's segue into that and and sort of bring this to the end. I guess just one thing that I wanted to to just get your thoughts on. I know you've touched on it, but I just wanted to make sure I asked um, your thoughts, experience with it, because I think a lot of recruitment businesses, maybe even through this period of learning as well, but it's definitely been spoken a lot more of over the last 12 months, longer in terms of productization of your services, right? Um, so I guess like right now, like, so your, your products are retained and then you've got the employer branding piece as well for clients. Yeah,
1: like you've got a full marketing solution, which, um, and I've got a really cool product that's been, we've been working on, uh, during this downtime with my marketing manager, which is due to be released in the next couple of weeks, which is what I would call a blend between doing the actual recruitment for the client to actually showing them the marketing technique. marketing, yeah. Build it in-house, so we can build them an in-house talent acquisition system, mixed with the recruitment fundamentals. Because a lot of internal recruiters, like I know, there's always a battle, but like they don't know the the brand piece, the marketing piece, and everything else. And we've created like a training solution for that as well. So yeah, so what,
0: what, why why is it important for recruiters to be thinking about productization of their services?
1: Well, definitely because of an unfair advantage, like we've discussed. Yeah, But also like remember clients now like after this are going to be very very picky around do they really need an agency what value are you going to bring to me yes you're going to send me a cv but there's going to be tons of people offering it at 10 percent, 12 percent because they'll be scraping around either to survive or people uh, there's going to be a lot of more i think recruitment startups where people have been furloughed which mm-hmm. i get a lot of applications i've been let go now i've been thinking about starting Myself, yeah, at yeah,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: But there's a lot of recruiters that wouldn't have even thought about starting their own agency, which they are now, and they're more informed. They've got podcasts like yourself and everything mm. else, and like there's more information, so it's a lot easier to start a recruitment business than ever before. So you really do need to, like productize in a way um, where you are offering something different, niche within a niche, like not general. So, like for instance, like if it's within a certain sector job title and certain in uh, certain type of companies that you provide for whether it's smes or mid-level market or anything like you have to have that's going to be your differentiator um but you've, you've got to work, like I've, I've invested in a lot myself like in, in different courses and, and learning what other people are doing in America and different places, like trying to, and then try and get those thoughts into your own signature service, as it's called. Yeah, yeah,
0: signature service.
1: Signature service. Mm. You can't just copy someone else's or like make it overnight. Like it's work. And this is the problem Like most recruiters only know recruitment. So I'm, I'm I've always said I'm a business person, business personal growth first, recruitment second. It's just a skill that I've got. Like mm. not the other way around. Most recruiters are recruited. I think I
0: think that's the correct mindset. Like that should be the mindset. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, totally. Okay. So um look, you mentioned it there in terms of your sort of ruin a passion, helping recruiters start their own business. What let's just talk about that for a sec before we finish a lot of recruiters listen to this podcast a lot of business owners listen to this podcast but with you and the conversations that you have what what are the sort of common things that you hear or common challenges that you hear from people that are are, do have that fear of starting their own business that you talk to them about when overcoming it like what what are just the common challenges that you hear a lot of the time
1: Yeah, I think just not knowing how. So, like, how am I going to win clients? Because, again, they're used to the traditional way. Like, not many people still are using a lot of the the systems and the tools. So, like, knowing how to build a solid client acquisition system is one of the key things that we do. So you've got constant clients coming to your inbound, and there's a way and techniques of how you deal with those clients and how you pitch for your services and win the clients. So that, that needs mapped out for them is number one. How to actually map out the market and know what niche to pick. Mm. Um, having a clear platform, template, and system to do that. And then a lot of things holding people back, like they think little things, like even things like, like I say, website, finance, how do I get paid? All of those little things. I'm like, well, you don't need to worry about that. Yeah, just worry about winning your first client. So step by step, you get ahead. Mm. So it's like building each block as it's required. But a lot of people, like, again, holding people back is the job security fear comes back to mindset yeah, like,
0: yeah yeah
1: we both keep talking around like for you to change to be a recruiter to a business owner is not just setting up a limited company on company's house. Anyone can do that. Creating a website anyone can mm. do that. It's you need to change your mindset. Mm. You're not gonna prepare to put in the work every evening I'm reading for two, three hours every single day still and and that's been the last five five years plus attending masterminds I spent about over 200,000 pounds in terms of courses mentors like I'm prepared to keep elevating my levels of mm-hmm. like um I think my
0: thing on that is like like it's got that's got that's got, just because just I, I love the way you, and you know how much I love this James and we've connected on this and I think it's so in I just it's so important to communicate that working on yourself does mean that you can that means that you can have get even more out of your recruitment career and it's definitely what we should be talking about and i not not many people do but i think what what i just wanted to make clear in my opinion and, and hopefully agree or you might disagree is that that's got what you just said there has got to be coupled with action like like i i do you know what i mean like I, i've been with these things i've i've just done
1: a video on that actually on my youtube channel the- really because, because
0: so, yeah, because yeah. like I've I've been to the Tony Robbins unleash the power of I've I've read obviously quite a few of the bits that you mentioned, and I think that that's the thing that I think people can get caught up in, and also that and also why when you said these mastermind groups spending this money and doing all that, there's that sort of sometimes stigma that it's like Hash, bollocks. Like just because you you do, there are people
1: that you don't just, know what you don't know. Like yeah yeah, like this you you do not know like what you're going to go through to get to a million a million pounds plus. Like, there's things that you that's why you need mentors or you need someone to follow or you need to work on yourself to understand yes. because you don't understand. But you, ha-
0: you have to take action. That's the thing. I think a lot of people can get caught in that self development cycle of, right, I'm going to pay to go on this next course, next course. And they're always waiting for that next course to be like mm-hmm. the golden bullet, mm-hmm. the like, whatever. But I, that's what I just wanted to add to that, James. I, I love the way that you're talking about this. You, you know, I do. Um, okay. Well, look, before we finish, then, James. What what are you what are you most excited about after this difficult period that we're all going through? What are you most excited to do? What are you most excited to be, see? I don't know. What are you most excited about when we start coming back out of this?
1: Yeah, I mean I've, i to be honest, like I might be different than other people, but I've loved this time to work on myself, less distractions. I've got my home office here, go for walks every day. I mean, is as Seneca says like one of the great philosophers, like Everyone moans about not having much time on this planet, but like when you actually break it down into the time people waste per day, like everyone's got enough time on this earth to make an impact, but people just waste it. And then before they know it, they're on a deathbed and regret. uh, Oh, should have done this, should have done that. And I I know for a fine fact, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to regret when this all gets lifted and they're back to work. They're like, oh, I wish I used that time that I was on Netflix to work on myself, or should have done this, should have done that so many people are going to regret this time that they've got now where they can actually really self reflect like journal like I journal my thoughts every day all of these things so um i enjoy this time more than like going back into the work but i'm 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 excited because this is sort of a recession but there's never been a time where governments like pumping funding in like bounce back loans like everyone can get 50k just to to get into the business straight away 10,000 uh, pound grant like all of these cheap money, like there's so much opportunity is going to be trickled down, £330 billion plus from just the UK economy. Like the money's going to be there somewhere. It's just learning to adapt. There's the famous Charles Darwin says, it's in nature and business, it's not the strongest of species that survive, which you see that in agencies. It's not the biggest of agencies that are going to survive, nor the most intelligent, but ones while most adaptable to change. You need to adapt. What, what worked back, traditionally in recruitment will not necessarily work in the future. And that's what I truly believe. Like, There's going to be less, I think they'll get a bit of a lot of internal recruiters because companies will not be hiring 10s and 20s anymore. They're going to either hire freelance or they're going to be a little bit more clever. So they might use recruitment agencies, but it will be down to cost or what's in it for them value. So that's why you need to productize the service. So I'm really excited about um, how this next journey does because in chaos becomes new order. So it's a level playing field again um and i'm Mm. I'm ready like it's exciting any entrepreneur should be exciting in this times because there's the most millionaires billionaires and biggest companies were built in recessions Mm. um i feel sorry for the people that have been unfortunate where they've had high overheads and they just haven't been able to survive this like i'm sure they'll come back and bounce back stronger which i know we didn't touch on today but cash is king like building a financial war chest i was so lucky in our last probably eight months really where we won some big retainers with some big big clients that really tidied us soul about where we've had a big cash. Uh, yeah. Like, and the big, and and that, that was probably the biggest thing for me the last year was uh, my goal was create a million pound war chest just in my bank, like making sure we've got that cash. So we could go 12, 18 months paying our overheads without going under. And that's the key thing. I probably couldn't, that couldn't have happened in year two or year three, but like, Having that was, was exciting, but um, yeah, I'm just excited to see what it brings. Obviously, I've got my uh, program that I've developed over the last, um, it's probably the 18 months it's been in the making in terms of what we've created. But basically, we've created a 90-day recruiter accelerator program to help people either that have either started their own agency or already got their own agency and they want to go to six figures plus and beyond by building a, a solid client acquisition system, which is what I built at Ronald James. A virtual assistant system and being able to build automate and systemize uh your business and scale it up to six figure profits um what i call like a new age client attraction system so that's what i'm working on just because it's my passion
0: like yeah i love I still it. Love business um i think it's class i love it um look final question um ask it to everyone so you can answer this with a phrase a word a sentence whatever comes to mind um if you could communicate to every single recruiter out there, they'd listen, Recruitment entrepreneur, business owner, they'd take on advice, they'd implement it tomorrow, what would um, James say to the people?
1: Um, As my mentor, Dan Pena says, just fucking do it.
0: <laughs> Love
1: just that, mate. Get rid of self-doubt, limited beliefs, force through, force through fear, There will be friends, family telling you no, you're stupid. There'll be voices in your head saying don't take the risk, whatever. Like you've just got to go through adversity. You've got to force through.
0: James, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions, you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hisham and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.